Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Assalamu alaikum. This is Isa and this is Aisha. We, we hope you enjoy this sense special. Sense special. Assalamu alaikum. Perfect. Perfect. That's what are you perfect. doing? Just looking at my answers. Assalamu alaikum, everybody. I'm Sarah. Assalamu alaikum, sexy people, just the women. I am Selena. Assalamu alaikum. I'm Nafisa. And this is Two Cents. Oh, I'm so shy. <laughs> well, it's the first time we've introduced ourselves by our names, which I think is about time because we're like a year and a bit in and we've never a said. A long time we didn't record. Yeah. Long time. Yeah. Um, Welcome to this Two Cents special. It is a follow-on from our first ever podcast episode, which was Life Before Amalia. If you haven't listened to it, go to the podcast, have a little listen. It's a snapshot tutorial on... Is it a tutorial? It is basically on how to start a business and what you guys did. It was like a good insight into the idea behind Amalia and how it took off and how you guys were feeling and what you guys were on the brink of. And now we are a year and a bit on from that podcast and four years into Amalia going into our fifth year, right? Mm -hmm. So we decided to check in back with that episode and ask a series of some similar questions to the ones we did in that first episode and some new ones. Okay, so I'm gonna get started with my first question for you guys. Ready? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm so nervous today. Nervous. I promise I can't do this. You once said that in an ideal world, Amalia wouldn't exist. What's changed in the world for Muslim women since starting Amalia? And how has this shaped Amalia's own journey? Oh, it's such a big question, isn't it? It's such a big, big question. But thinking back to the first episode, you guys were talking about how, at the time, David Cameron had mentioned that Muslim women were... Traditionally submissive. Right, and that's something that, like, galvanised this whole Amalia movement and got you guys onto the trajectory that you're currently on. Amalia wouldn't exist in an ideal world. What does that mean, I think, is, like, important to unpick? Um... I think when we've said that in the past, <clears throat> when we've said that in the past, it's really come from a place of um, we've had to make our voice louder and we've had to make ourselves seen to push our point forward because often um, we're represented in like a one-dimensional way. Um, and I think actually Amalia st would still exist even if we were represented across um, a range of... A, a range of different platforms in media, advertising, whatever you will, um, fairly and um, diversely. But I feel actually, so now we're four years into our journey, um, we're still a space for Muslim women and that space has definitely grown and evolved and I think we hold a place for ourselves in a very different way. Um, you know, it's a place where you can seek some soulful content 
It's a place where you can tune in, listen to me and Nafisa. It's a place where you can jump in on Instagram, be a little bit inspired, um, jump onto Twitter, jump into some form of debate. I think in terms of the question, what's changed in the world for Muslim women since starting Amalia? I don't know if things have been have changed because there's always been Muslim women in our history. And when I say history, I'm not even going to say like 100 mm. years back. I'm talking about like, you know, um, a few generations back, yeah. a few generations in. We've always been women who, who do things, who create, who do stand up, who speak up, who have inspired other people. Mm. And I think it's just that the way that it's now manifested through kind of the digital world, through tech, it's more visible. When I see Muslim women doing great th- things, it's like, oh, actually, you've been doing this for a good 10 years. Mm. You know, you're, yeah, you're an amazing lawyer, you're an amazing human rights lawyer, but actually you've been doing this for a while. And it's now, I think we just have a space to be able to celebrate and see each other and feel a lot more inspired. I really resonate with what you said in the sense that I feel like when we, we when we talked about Amalia not existing in an ideal world, that was because it was anchored on the fact that Muslim women weren't given space, Muslim women had to shout louder, Muslim women were, well, are very politicized in mainstream media, were only asked to speak about very specific topics. And actually, four years on, that still is very much a reality. Um, it's changing, but it still is very much that. Mm. However, I think part of it is since starting Amalia I guess in terms of what's changed at Amalia Mm. it would be that I think me and Selena have sometimes hit a point of fatigue in having to report and talk about things in relation to how other people feel about our identity mm-hmm. whether it's a book about or uh, someone that's banned for x or islamophobic attack and blah 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 and we've had points where early on we would be or we jump on it straight away and we would report it and we'd be like right we need to get this in front of our audience but part of it like i'm i almost feel a sense of I don't want to say anger, but I'm just a bit tired of like, actually, I just want to talk about other stuff because actually we are painters and we are makers and we, you know, like earlier this this, um, month when we were setting goals and stuff, I was talking about actually I just want 20 and 2020 to be the year of fun Mm -hmm. because I just, you know, that's also elevating our lives and that's also elevating our experiences. And it actually bothers me. And this was something I was also thinking about in terms of, um, it's not about the burqa, which is the book that I wrote in. And the chapter that I wrote was about the representation of Muslims. And that book also came out of what David Cameron said, right? And the whole idea was that like, actually we're gonna hear Muslim women speak because it's not just about the burqa. But even then, I'm I'm mad that we still had to frame it upon the words of David Cameron. And we still had to frame it on the, the words of a gaze that was looking at us as if we're other. Mm. And so I think actually what's changed for us at Amalia is not... Um, that change doesn't have to be so heavy mm-hmm. and it can look like a sex podcast. It can look like spotlighting the run club. It can look like having an event where we just get to come together. You know, it doesn't have to look like all things synonymous with Islamophobia and us feeling yeah. really heavy. Yeah. It feels like that was like a necessary part of getting to this stage, right? Is first of all, addressing 
the issues of representation yeah. that were there so yeah. already. And now you guys, all Muslim so. women, are able to take ownership of narratives in a way that is like, is no longer um, a response. Yeah, and I, I, th- I think the thing is like, when I think about us starting out as a media company, we were driven by an injustice and mm. an anger and an anger that actually, why can't we just exist on our own terms? Mm. And again, I think that was a necessary place for us to be, but I would, and and I'm not saying that's a wrong emotion to be fueled by, mm. but I think- But it's also not a sustainable emotion. Yeah. Mm. You can't and just keep feeling angry yeah. and injustice because you will get exhausted. It's yeah. an exhausting feeling, right? So I think actually now I'm like, how do we, you know, how do we go beyond how do we create a world where Muslim can, women can exist on their own terms? Actually, how can they thrive? How yeah. can we elevate who we are as a collective community and what that means for our experiences? We, this agenda is always set by someone else mm. and then us responding, us you know, creating a piece of, us responding. And I think what we realized as we started building Amali is like actually we have a right to set the agenda and mm-hmm. we also have control on what that agenda is. And somewhat we now shape that media. We mm-hmm. are shaping that voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not something that we hold lightly. We know that it's it's often quite, it's not a burden, but it's, a, it's heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that we are influencing um, and shaping the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that we have a lot of young Muslim women who look up to Amali. So, you know, it, sometimes we are very careful about what we do. Um, and we always go back to, you know, our, the Islamic principles of why we're doing something. Are we pleasing, you know, before we we kind of amplify the voices of Muslim women, we have to please Allah. On this journey so far, mm. I mean, everything you talk about requires a lot of your time, a lot of your effort. What have you done to ensure you stay disciplined in your personal and professional life? As um, Amalia grows and demands more of you to do so? It's a big question, isn't it? Uh, after you now. Okay. I love discipline. <laughs> um, I think I we just, both do somewhat in different ways. Yeah, I, I really love... I personally think... She thrives off punishing herself. <laughs> no, I, I think discipline is the key to living a good life. She's got a hand on her chest. Yeah, yeah. But because, but also I, I think discipline is also what is in Islam, mm-hmm. right? Like Islam isn't something which is like, oh, just feel nice and have like, talk to God whenever you want. You can do that. Yeah, but course. there's also like, our deen is filled with frameworks. It's filled with Jummah happens on Friday. You pray five times a day. Mm. Those five times are not down to you. Those five times are actually set. There are windows. There's a process. You do wudu. You do, do, do. you know that there is actually so many points of discipline. Um, and so I think in terms of um, discipline, I definitely say my faith mm. is something that I consistently try and turn to. And I think if anything, Amalia has helped me in my faith and mm. growing my faith. Alhamdulillah in terms of from all angles from an angle of like running a business you have to really you have to really believe like and you have to believe in a higher power like if i didn't believe in allah i would have lost the plot like fully lost the plot i would have either lost the plot or i would have stopped doing amalia Mm. when you're running a business especially as two muslim women 
you are up against a lot, mm. you know? And I always think of what a guy called Gabby Kahane said to us when we were like two months into our journey. Oh. And we, we sat down in front of uh, him and he was, he- He pointed to me, he's like, I mean, you're eight months pregnant. Yeah, he was like big, this big stocky guy, right? In tattoos, tattoos everywhere. And he just looked at us and he was like, you're eight months pregnant, you're two women of color. He's like, you're gonna sit in front of investors. You're gonna, you're gonna try and raise money. And, and he like, wasn't you, doing it. In a yeah, malicious no, he way. wasn't. He wasn't. But we were it was like, like a reality check. He, yeah, yeah, it was a reality check. He was like, you better know your numbers. Mm. He was like, you better step in. He, like, he was like, because the reality is, you're gonna step into that room and they're already discounting you. Yeah. And he was like, these people don't see people like you. And we were just like, okay, okay, okay. No one can tell that I'm pregnant. And so like. But I'm so glad and grateful for Gabby for giving us that rather than being this like, oh, lovely idea sort of mm. thing. Because it, I, I've, I've held that with me like since, so, like no matter what room I'm stepping into, it's like, be prepared, mm. do the basics, be on time, do your follow-ups, have good email etiquette, all those sorts of things. But yeah, in terms of dis... How did I get there? Well, oh yeah, discipline. discipline. Um, <laughs> yeah, fa- having faith, like you've got to have faith. Um, and then another thing for me that has been really, really, really amazing for me is Taekwondo. So I started Taekwondo last June and I've actually realized that in the last three years, every year I've done a sporting challenge. So I did a half marathon two years ago. The year after I did a 60K bike ride. This year I did, yeah, this year I did surfing. Um, so and it's I tried. funny that they've all been sports related and yeah, yeah and so I, I realized that actually I'm gonna set myself a sporting challenge every single year mm. um because I also think like discipline resilience all of those things are something to train and I god I know I sound like one of those like the mantra is yeah 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 yeah, yeah. but it really really is and I think part of Part of it is that sometimes people might think I'm just not cut out for it. And guess what? You probably might not be, but mm. it doesn't mean you can't get there. Mm. And me and Shiloh definitely weren't cut out for any of this by like, and like from in any terms We respect, still terms Google things when people send us emails. I'm like, oh my God, what does that mean? We need to Google it. You know? <laughs> do you know what I mean? How do you talk to people? How do you like negotiate? How do you... Um, how do you tell a compelling story when this person doesn't even know what Islam yeah. is or yeah. what a Muslim is? Mm. You know, like, how do you, like, all these subtle, subtle things, like, no, you don't, we never had training for that. We, we never really, like, went through those rounds. Um, but back to your point about discipline, yeah. I think one of the things I realized is, especially when we talk about self-care, is that for me, self-care has to be rooted first and foremost in Mm self-awareness. And I I think self-awareness for me is like actually having a week where you realize actually maybe I projected on someone, right? And then the byproduct is what you do to then have self what you do to then implement self-care so it might be actually i need to go and address that thing that i have with someone else Mm. because i've been taking that and projecting on someone else or it might be as little as actually i'm not getting enough sleep and that's affecting my skin that's affecting my eating i'm like eating loads of carbs blah 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 and so for me i think i've realized that it's about having a sense of self-awareness because ultimately we're all moving through the world, just spilling out onto mm. everyone. Mm. Um, and I think for us as well, we're not only spilling out to those n- nearest and dearest, but we're literally spilling out 
onto a community mm. you know if we're not in the right place yeah. the stuff how we create amali is not sure. going to be in the right place mm. yeah actually lift is starting when i've just finished um I love for the me bridges. there's <laughs> been times where my iman has been really low you know i feel like i'm just not where i'm meant to be spiritually religiously it's just it's not in a good place and i'm like well i can't do amalia i know that sounds like really like crazy it's like this is work that's your deen it's separate and it's for me it's not because when i'm reading a piece that is written from the soul and someone's writing about the deen i need to read it through a specific type of lens if i'm not in that right place spiritually and religiously then i feel like it will have an effect on amalia and sometimes i have had to step back whether it be editorial i think editorially like you know i'm not in a fit place to be able to really read and disseminate these pieces and i think sometimes editorially it's gone on a journey with me as well because so i've had to navigate through it um so for me like everything even if you're someone who's not building a business or whatever it is the fundamental starting point of your being is your connection with Allah. You know, self-awareness, we talk about self-awareness, but self-awareness is rooted in knowing that we are slaves of Allah, right? If, when you can first recognize that, then you can embark on that process of self-awareness. But mm -hmm. sorry, going back to discipline, you know, it's very hard. You know, I, I'm someone who... It, uh, it's very difficult to discipline yourself in all areas of your life. And sometimes I've taken the approach of, right, Monday, I'm going to become a raw, you know, I'm going to eat raw, raw, what's it called? Raw vegan. Raw. I'm going to become a raw vegan. I'm going to, you know, wake up at 6 a.m. I'm going to do yoga. I'm going to go running. I'm not going to drink caffeine, no sugar. I'm going to read three books every week. I'm going to, you know, you have this list of what goals looks like in your head. And I'm like, right, this is what I'm going to do. And so often I fail. But I know and what I've recognized is that is the journey, right? The fact that I'm consistently striving, it would worry me if I stopped. Mm. It would worry me if I didn't try. It would worry me if I wasn't failing. Mm. That means I'm not trying. And I think in terms of discipline, I think we often see the finished product of something. Like, for example, you know, Naf said she's done the marathon. She did the surfing. She did the cycling. But no one's seen the build-up before that. I mean, the marathon. We and did the, not I was going to say, but even the marathon, right? Yeah. The we did the Hackney Half in the first year, and I'm really proud to say this year I came last. Yeah, I came last. At you 1, came last 000. of the finishers. I came last out, out of all of the finishers. But for me, it really wasn't about that. I hadn't trained. That was my bad. You know, every time we need. Can I just tell you the story, guys? Yeah. We signed up for this Hackney Half. And then we were like, because none of us were working out. I was definitely in a fitness route. And I was like, right, this is going to get me out of it. You know, you sign up to half marathon, then you'll start training and life will all be good, right? Discipline, discipline. And then it'd be like, okay, three months to go, cool. Two months to go. Had to train for a half marathon, <laughs> two months. 12 weeks to go. Had to, 12 weeks is more than two months. 12 days. Um, six weeks to go. Had to train for a marathon, six weeks. Two weeks, one week. We're literally sitting on the train on the way to the half marathon. And me and Shilu are watching everyone else. And she looks like, enough, they're all eating bananas. <laughs> and they all have a sports drink. And so we go to the corner shop. <laughs> and we're like, must get bananas in this sports like, do you have any bananas? So we bought a banana in the sports <laughs> but, drink. But where we were in that moment of our life, discipline was being able to turn up and get through the marathon yeah. Yeah. you know yeah now where i am i would hope that discipline would 
where where I've grown to mm. would mean I'd at least do a couple of K before well, the half marathon, you know? But yeah. in, in where we were, mm. we did what what we we yeah. kind of met ourselves there. Keys in the journey. Yeah, um, definitely. So um I feel like as well, it's sorry, going back to discipline, um, we there's different aspects of our life, right? And I do think that if one area of your life is lacking huge discipline, it will have a knock-on effect. It's a domino, right? So it's really important for you to really evaluate your life and look at the area where you're really truly slacking because that is probably the, um, what's it called, the whole anchor? I know for me what it is, it's often my sleeping patterns, um, my sleeping patterns and my salah. If those two are not on point and it's the two things that I struggle with, then the rest of my life is affected. So I would say sometimes we're actually doing okay in a lot of areas of your life. We have to look at the thing that we don't want to look at, the thing that we struggle with the most, and almost focus on that to then mm. ensure that, that there's a fountain off. of discipline across different things. And for me enough, like we take Amalia very seriously in the sense that, you know, we have a good time. You know, if you're working at Team Amalia, like there is fun, Alhamdulillah, inshallah. Well. <laughs> but, but also we are and sometimes i think i have got frustrated in the journey of when i'm trying to explain to people why it's so important that they edit a piece in a certain way or they you know in terms of the work and that perhaps i have come across a bit um what's the word overbearing mm. maybe overbearing i'm not sure you maybe you can explain to me what how i am but it's because amalia is an amana like it doesn't actually belong to me or nafisa and you know, we're trying really hard to ensure that we stick to our faith, and but we represent everybody, mm-hmm. which is a re- it's a huge struggle. You know, it's not easy to be for everyone, and that's one thing that we have re- recognized. So, I think in terms of discipline as well, having discipline in our faith is is a, the biggest aspect of it. Um, how have you guys navigated? being employers, starting a team, being team leaders, cultivating your team over the four years, and how is it? Um, informed your understanding of leadership yes she should ask that she's she's Um, so i think enough ceo and i'm ceo CEO. together we are co-founders together we are co-founders um we have different roles in the business and i think if you work at mine you also have different interactions with us yeah um which has also why are you laughing now which defines, I guess, um, how you're managed, mm. essentially. So I think first and foremost, uh, me and Shilu have a really, really deep trust in each other and like how we, and I think that really, really helps. If you don't know, we're actually sisters. Yeah, so if that, if, so that, I think that huge. And some people don't. Yes. <laughs> that hugely helps in terms of, um, gut feeling gut feeling Matt, like if Shiloh has a gut feeling I trust it if I have a gut feeling Shiloh trusts it we tell you transport images I mean um, <laughs> communication to each other in meetings yeah. by like a look yeah and I, th- I think that has honestly been a, one of the key parts of our foundation um, can't touch this <laughs> alhamdulillah and um, I think in terms of leadership I it's hard mm-hmm. like it is really hard and I, I think also without sounding patronizing a lot of people just don't get it i think what it is 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 leaders i don't even want to use the word leader i 
And I, I would specifically speak about what you speak about in terms of female leadership and how um, people are perceived if they're assertive. Yeah, I, th- I think the thing is with leadership and I think the thing is that I've developed over the last four years is thick skin. And I say that because I fully, and I tweeted this the other day, and I tweeted this other, the other day where I said, there are moments where in a, in a meeting or an email, I might say something or I might pull something up or I might express that this actually isn't to a good standard. And I recognize, and I was saying this to you, Sarah, when I was writing this email to, it wasn't to someone in the team, it was outside. And I said to you, I recognize that it's in these moments that someone like me is seen as difficult, yeah, seen as demanding, yeah. seen as that woman, mm-hmm. that that female CEO, right? The B word. Yeah, that, the B word or even the other B word, which is bossy. Mm-hmm. And um, she is guys. No. <laughs> and I, I think that I, I think part of it is being okay with the fact that you will be perceived like that. And mm-hmm. I always say to people, if you want to start a business, you need to be okay with not being liked, not being not not because you have to be horrible or you have to be slimy or anything like that to start a business. But sometimes you just need to say things how it is. Mm-hmm. And also that's not about being horrible. It's You're talking about in the context of being an employer. I'm talking about in the context of being an employer. I'm talking about in the context of just us in the wider world, mm. dealing with other brands, dealing with partnerships and things like that. Um, yeah, in terms of leadership. <coughs> and I think sometimes what happens is people think me and Shilu, because we're sisters, we're just having a laugh, you know? And it's like, I, like Shilu said, like this is, for us, this is like something that has been given to us as a trust and like we take it seriously you know so in your four years of experience now um i think like one of the other questions i had was how has it shaped you personally as well Mm. it's i think it'd be a good insight for people on the brink of doing the same thing one of the things um sitar tali said on a panel that i hosted with her who's an amazing woman um and she does not mince her words. She does not mince her words. Honestly, she will tell if you, you, if, if you Google, if you're trying to start something, Google us two things. What I wish I knew and watch the, again, we'll put it in the article and watch that panel because Sitar Tali is amazing. Very refreshing. And, and the rest of the people. And she said, the thing is what, she said, the thing is what most people don't realize is when you're starting a company, you're signing up to manage. Mm. And most founders are not managers, right? And that's where things start getting they're difficult. They're two separate things, yeah. Yeah, they're, do, they're two separate things. And, and most of the time, like you said, founders are not trained to be managers. Yeah. Um, and I, I think sometimes what I've found is a lack of... I'm not saying there should be compassion for that, but I'm also saying there should be compassion for that. <laughs> I think what it is, and actually this goes beyond like founders and leaders, and this goes on to like general like people who have any sort of platform, which we see across mm-hmm. social media, right? Of that when you're given a title or when you take a title or whatever it is, there's a level of, um, there's an idea of how you should carry that out mm-hmm. and there's an idea of who you should be and what you should do and how you shouldn't do it and how you should do it. But at the end of the day, and it also falls into cancel culture, right? At mm-hmm. the end of the day, like these people are humans. These mm-hmm. people are people who are just trying to do something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people sometimes struggle to see past that title or past that label. In terms, I mean, for me, I think when I started out, um, quite early on we were managing people we mm. had you know a small team there's always 
been somebody once we kind of started getting to office spaces kind of thing, you know, whether it's part-time or whatever it is, kind of under our wing. Um, and me, I always want to be your friend. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to have to shout at you. I don't want to have to like put you in your place. I don't want to have to pull you up on anything. Mm. But one thing I want you to, uh, I think everyone that has ever joined Team Amalia or worked with us in some capacity, even if it's not directly employed with us, by us, is ask questions. When you're asking questions, I know when you're curious, one and two, you want to learn. Um, so in terms of leadership, I think initially, I guess I shied away what the whole picture of leadership was. But when you really understand the crux of it, you kind of, I think I've owned it over the last few years mm-hmm. and I'm not worried to manage people. Mm-hmm. Um, I quite enjoy it. I quite mm-hmm. like it now. Um yeah, and I just, you know, it's one thing amplifying the voices of Muslim women and empowering Muslim women um, online through Amalia, but I need people in my team to feel that as well. And I, I hope that everyone that has joined Amalia um, has grown in some way mm. and we've contributed to that. And we do push you. I think Sarah firsthand knows that we will push you to out of your comfort zone. Like if that's your comfort zone, you're comfortable, I will push you out of that to a zone where you feel totally fearful and i do that because i know through our own experiences is you will grow i was gonna ask what your biggest challenges slash struggles are in growing amalia to date because obviously you guys both touched on some difficulties that you had Mm. um already just starting amalia maintaining amalia in the context of being a team leader um Mm. right now what's your what's like like I'd say most recently biggest challenge to. struggle Amalia today go for it um I'm gonna go because I think this might open something um I'm gonna be really honest here um it's something that we've wanted to talk about we've wanted to address but also really mindful and also to be really honest a bit fearful um oh, what are you gonna say yeah. I don't like it <laughs> I think you think what I'm gonna say is not what I think what okay. I'm actually gonna say um so earlier this year, um, Muslim girl who... Oh my days, she's going there. I think we need to just put it out there, to be honest. So earlier this year, if you don't know, um, I'm just going to do a bit of context setting. I'm not going to get into details. Mm. But um, some stuff came out about Muslim girl um, as a publication. They're based in America. And some of the stuff was around how they were treating writers, contributors, some of it was around pay, some of it was around working conditions and all of those sorts of things. And um, like a, a movement kind of started around that and people were, you we know. We actually had ex-employees of Muslim Girl reach out to us. Yeah. Um, wanting to write articles, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was quite difficult to at that what was really interesting was at that time i had actually decided to come off instagram and i re i i was like okay okay the optics around this is now nafisa looks like she's really silent on it right Mm -hmm. and a couple of people had messaged me Mm -hmm. and i was conflicted of do i come back on to release this like pr statement or what you know what happens and also i didn't want to be seen to as like amalia trying to capitalize on it and being yeah. like oh my god look at what they're that's doing so yeah. that's not us and I, I i don't think everyone sort of appreciated all the different 
things we had to think about in that situation. But one of the things as a result was um, there became, and I guess the whole year, there's been several points where people have talked about getting paid for your work, right? Um, and I, I think, again, part read my article on Forbes, I talk about how to get paid your worth, right? And part of that, I talk about what it means to work for free. And at Amalia, what what the the we didn't realize that the Muslim girl situation was going to affect us at Amalia because mm. what then happened is I think a lot of people a lot of Muslim women felt a sense of resentment mm. they felt a sense of resentment that they were having to work for free they're having to mm. write for free and things like that and for us we pay some of our writers we pay our resident writers we pay writers who you know we've got a small budget mm. to be able to do that oh, who are doing really like deep research pieces pieces yeah. and but then there's we we fundamentally cannot afford to pay every single writer right yeah. and also what you need to understand and i just want to say at that point it's very easy to pe- for people to then turn around and say well then you shouldn't exist yeah. then you shouldn't do this the Guardian, The Telegraph, The Times, The Economist, some of the biggest newspapers, publications in this world mm-hmm. that have been around for decades. We hold us to account on a different level. I think part of it is, pe- I would like to think people understand like the scale of what we're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Like ultimately we're sitting in a media landscape that doesn't want us to exist. Yeah. We're sitting in a landscape that often tries to drown out our voices and tries to drown out our perspective. Mm-hmm. And what that means is we have to be consistent. We have to keep putting voices out. We have to keep putting stories out. Mm-hmm. That also requires resources, time and effort. And I don't want anyone to think that the reason they're, we have so many volunteers and we have so many people that give their time for free to contribute to Amalia is because we're milking it and taking all the profits. Mm-hmm. Cast makes no money, right? Our mm-hmm. editorial, yes, we do sponsored posts here and there, we do advertorials here and there. But fundamentally, a lot of this is us trying to create something, create strong foundations to be able to ch- honestly change the world Mm -hmm. right i hope that amali will exist in 10 years and actually what that means is we've had to rely on a lot of goodwill Mm. and part of what i think our biggest challenge this year has been is off the (laughs) i think part of our biggest challenge this year is off the back of muslim girl what ended up happening is there's a lot of resentment from muslim writers in particular of you know you can't pay us why do you even exist right and it it wasn't people didn't really say that to us directly but it was felt we we felt fearful to be able to ask people to contribute i think i stopped reaching out for like there was a silent understanding internally that new articles weren't coming in yeah one i was scared i i just I didn't know how to embark on continuing to invite Muslim women like, you know, you're writing a beautiful recipe. Can we post that on Amalia or whatever it is? And I think it was difficult to to navigate the language around it and articulate where we are, what we're trying to build and kind of what we need at this point in time. And I think, you know, we often say don't believe the hype, but I think the hype people see around Amalia, you know, the press, the awards, the this, the that that doesn't just give us 10 bags you know all because we're a newspaper doesn't mean suddenly we've got a bag of money it is just hype and i think that's what we often try to say um we're still here grafting trying to build a business model that is viable and sustainable even to put three salaries down on a on a table for our 
internal core team to do the work that we're doing and like we alhamdulillah we do a hell of a lot like we achieve a lot with a small team and people who give us their time and goodwill and resources and i i just i just want people to know like i think this year there's been a lot of talk about money and i think and even for me even for me like my mindset shifted from do you know what if someone doesn't have um money to pay you it doesn't make them sinister and i think we've conflated that i think mm-hmm. actually goodwill goes a long way and so many people in the Malia community, and I'm very thankful for this, alhamdulillah, have the same shared deep, deep belief mm-hmm. that Amalia needs to exist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because they have that deep, deep belief, they showed up at Street Eats. They gave their time at Street Eats. They they do, you know, there was, the, I, I actually physically could not write a list of all the people that have contributed to making Amalia happen. Mm. And the reason why is because I also know we are in people's duas. And that, like, you know, there are so many people that do support us and rally us and, and genuinely believe that we're, we're trying to create something that makes it, that makes a long-lasting change. Um, yeah, no, really honest, Nafal. I think both the challenges that I'm about to speak to you um, mirror what Nafisa says. So I wouldn't... S- like we don't feel the financial stress so to speak earlier this year we felt it a little bit because we were literally like looking at the bank looking at kind of our runway looking at what's going out what's coming in and you know we i I remember coming to work and feeling a little bit stressed like will we be able to pay salaries next month will we be able to keep going for that because we need more time we need another four years Mm. to then really for it to really kick in and i don't think people recognize that and one of our mentors Mills says this all the time he says they've been around 15 years Mills from us too and he says it takes 10 years to even start yeah and Mm -hmm. I think like we we just want I think people are starting to believe and think that we're okay and it's like nah even the people around you that you believe are strong and standing up they still need the help Mm. Um, and you know we don't really divulge a lot publicly in terms of like what me and Nafisa's lifestyles are like and how much we pay ourselves um and I'm not about to get into that but just know we're not here like making bags anything that we make goes directly back into the business Mm. because this you know it takes money to run a business as well I always say like if I were to go out into the market now and get job I would get paid a lot more than I do at Amalia but we don't do it for the money there's I know that you know sometimes I've been in you know I've been in the corporate world I've done lots of other jobs and I've seen how dissatisfied I've been like I know that there's a greater purpose to our being I know that there's a greater reason to why we exist and alhamdulillah I feel truly blessed that I'm able to kind of I have Amalia as a tool to be able to achieve that I come to work every single day and I'm reminded of my deen I'm reminded of Allah I'm reminded of a hadith I'm reminded of our prophet Muhammad peace be upon him in some article that I read you know every single day I am enlightened and I feel like I would not get that anywhere else and the currency that I'm paid with I hope that I see in the next world and you know sometimes we don't talk about the akira because i don't know it seems like this fantasy world we don't say the words jannah we don't say talk about the hereafter but this is such a temporary world like i think one my struggle hugely has been this year 
And I would say the last two years, because I would say Nafisa's had to focus more on the business side of things. So that means going out, speaking to brands and agency about the work that we do um, has been, I guess, looking after home and building the editorial voice, building the editor team. And there's two things. I'm dyslexic. I, never, I don't think I used to be able to write that well. And it's been a struggle for me to try and edit something and it still goes out with spelling mistakes. It still goes out with gram grammatical errors. You know, obviously it's not of the quality that I want it to be, but I've just had to push past and keep trying and have a really good relationship with people who are writing for us, contributing um, to us as well, which has made the journey a little bit easier. And I think I've really struggled to say, you know, I'm an editor um, because I don't have the English and grammar skills that editors and I have, but the skills that I do have that someone else may not have if they were to come here is I understand our audience inside out. I understand what works, what doesn't work. I've taught myself a lot around SEO. I've taught myself a lot about kind of um, insights into our community and what you guys want to read, what you want to hear, what you want to speak about. And that's, I think, the what I've come to realize is a challenge within myself that growing into the position that you didn't want to do, number one, you know, I never really wanted to be an editor because I didn't feel that I was capable. So that's really been a big challenge, I think, for me. And there's a lot of like talk around like editing and all of this stuff that you have to be at a certain standard. And I always felt like I was never good enough. Um, so I definitely think that's definitely been a personal struggle. For me, the biggest learning um, was probably, I mean, it was a lot of the theme of the podcast of like just starting, just starting mm. from where you are with what you have. Mm. And when I think back to what we had, mm. we had a borrowed room, we had um, borrowed, equipment. borrowed equipment, we had Mario Saad putting some music together for us, Harry Hitchens being like, yeah, here's some mics that you mm. can use. Um, we, you know, it was just like, you know, it was, and we're still not in a place where we're like, oh, wow, look at our production and yeah. da, da, but we're still just I like, mean, more time we're waiting for a plane to stop flying over, <laughs> yeah, to stop barking. But I think that, um, that just that, like, um, sorry, I'm trying to find the word, just that, uh, struggle. No, no that just just that spirit of like, do you know what? We want to put something out in the world and we're just going to do it and we're just mm. going to start. We don't know where it's going to go mm. is something that I would really like to see in 2020 with the stuff that we do. Mm. I, I think one thing on, on top of that as well, when we first started the podcast, I, like I was super nervous. I would speak really fast and I do still speak really fast in certain areas of my life. And it made me realize that I felt like I had nothing worthy to say mm. to an audience. And I was like, who's going to listen to me? I'm Selena. I run a company. Um, got two kids. What, you know, who possibly wants to listen to what I've got to say? And then I think obviously it all comes back to intention. And I recognize that I was speaking really fast on the podcast mm. because often when you feel unheard or you feel like no one wants to listen to you, you try and get through your sentences very quickly. Yeah. And it's made me like value myself a little bit more. And I also realized like if I'm able to come on a podcast and talk about, you know, the mundane and talk about uh, different experiences and opinions I have, then hopefully another Muslim woman out there would be like, you know what, what I'm saying is valid yeah. and what I'm saying is important too. Mm. And I think sometimes, you know, the mainstream narrative is like we have to be exceptional as Muslim women. 
um, to be celebrated, mm. and that which is great, and we should ex- uh, celebrate exceptional, but we should also celebrate. I guess normal women like myself. Yeah, I'm normal, but I'm also exceptional in my own right. Mm. You know, initially when we started, we um, started with you know our tagline was "We're here to amplify the voices of Muslim women," and there's things that have happened in that where perhaps we've released released articles and people have called us out. I remember one like I think this, I don't even want to publicize who they are, but they're on Twitter. They call Haram something something. Haram police or work patrol or something. <laughs> and they dragged us for an article and they said these lot should just be in Jahalia. Uh. And I was like, wow. Like and we've been dragged, you know, we've had our, our fair share of draggage. Mm. Um and I take that in two ways. I take it as time to reflect, but I also you have to build a resilience as well mm, to yeah. ignore some of those people yeah. because they're not your allies, they're not for you, and they're mm. just coming with a very toxic um agenda. I th- I think on your question, what was, what was the question? The, about um, what's the learning, I th- I think part of the whole gut thing as well is like for me, when I've tried to break down, okay, why is my, why am I, am I like feeling resistance to this or why mm. is my vibe saying no? Mm. Sometimes it's because like when it comes to people, mm. it might be because you've you feel like this is a similar situation to something that's happened before. Um, sorry, where I was going with amplifying the voices of Muslim women is, for me as well, and Naf as well, our gut is also based on going back to the first purpose of why we exist, right? Mm. We exist to attain the pleasure of Allah. Mm. We exist for a greater purpose, right? So if someone calls me out or calls us out for something, I always go back to that. Has mm. this displeased Allah? And like, when we get dragged for certain articles, like we got dragged for the 12 things. To reconcile. The 12 things to, I can't reconcile as a Muslim woman. And you know, people were dragging us. Le- like, it was mad. That was a very mad time. You remember it, Sarah. We were getting dragged left, right and center. You know, I had a moment of doubt. I'm mm. like, have we done something mm. wrong? Like, and that's fine for us to reflect and be like, mm. you know, where have we gone wrong? You, and you should, you know, sometimes your ego can, even if someone is telling you something, mm. And you know they're not saying it in the best way either. Yeah. You should take some heed of it, even if it's 1%. Of There's some people you shut down because they're just toxic. <laughs> um, but <laughs> take heed of it. And then at that point, we then we, uh, I think a week later, we did the, or sometime later, we did the Alamas response. So we had like a couple of Alamas actually respond to all of those yeah. Um, yeah. doubts. What's happened in the course of your journey with Amalia that you never imagined would materialize? Or at least so quickly. <sighs> Do you know what? Honestly, sorry. Like, I find it really hard to. What was the question? Sorry. What has happened in the course of journey with Amalia that you never imagined would materialize? It's like one of those manifestation questions. I I find this really really hard to answer because honestly, I this like. Does it feel like it's everything? Yeah, Yeah. it does. Like you know, this week, uh, Instagram like showed me. Oh, this was this time five years ago. And it was a photo of a coffee shop. And in that coffee shop, I had gone to meet a man called Paul Smith. And I talk about Paul Smith in the first it podcast. Seems like such a generic makeup yeah. <laughs> He's real, guys. Hey, Paul. Um, and Paul Smith was the director of Ignite, which is an accelerator. Um, and we break down what an accelerator is and everything in, in the first version of, in the first podcast. Um, and I went to him with like, oh yeah, I'm like working on this idea and I, I think it's important. And- 
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think it needs to exist. Um, you know, what, what should I do? Like, what's my next step and blah, blah, blah. And then he was like... I mean, I feel like I'm repeating podcast one, but just for anyone that's not listened, he basically fast-tracked us to interview. We got an exit accelerator. And fundamentally, the journey of Amalia changed. Our lives changed. We 100% would not be here today if that day had not happened, mm-hmm. right? And so I just, honestly, like sometimes I, I look back and I cannot comprehend what has happened. Mm-hmm. I cannot comprehend that inshallah we're about to go into our fifth year i cannot comprehend that last this month we did an event with waterstones i can't comprehend that we've done streets i can't comprehend that um this year we got to work on the james bond com strategy i can't comprehend that we've worked with are you in the warehouse advert yeah she was on a massive poster in warehouse (laughs) poster you know um i can't comprehend that i got to write amalia's story in a book that was shortlisted as foils book of the year i can't comprehend that our podcast was shortlisted um as (laughs) was shortlisted for audio production award like there are so many things that i just cannot comprehend and when i like for me I don't think there's a defining moment I just think all of it like Mm. every single day I'm grateful and I'm just every single time I reflect on it I'm like this was not our work Mm. this was Allah's work and this was Allah's plan and when I talk about my faith like Amalia has really strengthened that faith because I'm like this would not exist if Allah did not will it to and it is simple as that and for me even when there's points where I'm like hmm will we be doing this this time next year or, or you know do, do we keep going like as clear as day i will get a sign as clear as day mm. it will even be something as simple as seeing a message that someone has converted to islam because of amalia mm. right and so there's all these these moments that like when i look it's only when i look back that i I just can't even map it to our efforts. I can only map it to Allah's qadr and Allah's work. But then you also coming halfway. So I feel like whenever I... um, It's like a good example. It's something, uh, I suppose, even when you guys come across those um, Quranic ayahs or hadith about Allah answering du'as and like the input that you have to be able to put in as well. Or tying your camel even. Mm. Because the thing is, things like the mapping your um, journey to certain people, mapping your journey to awards still requires you taking physical steps. Yeah. 
You know what? In terms of that question and what Naf's just said, like what you had never imagined would materialize. Um, I'm not like, you know, me and Nafisa, I don't want to speak on behalf of Nafisa, but we're not like super brilliant academically. Yes. You know, I got a 2 2 university just scraped by. I got a like degree in everything. Well <laughs> so done. Some may say I'm super brilliant academically. <laughs> I, you know, I was getting a degree probably in partying, in all honesty. <laughs> um you know i just i've managed to like scrape through um yeah we are we're we're um, i believe in myself i believe that i'm amazing and i i have lots of different gifts that allah has bestowed upon me but on paper we not we may not be the people not who brilliant. would be yeah we're not brilliant on paper so to speak but i think what we've had is we have this uh, we have a self-belief that stems from knowing that if I get, if I pull myself into dua and I mm. ask Allah of what I need, Allah will fulfill it if it is good for us. Mm-hmm. And like the other day, we were both doing something. I said, you know, this is going to be our second business. Um, you know, a little secret out there. And she's like, no, I believe it. I believe it with I my said, chest. I said, I fully believe it. And she's like, I fully believe it. And like, we're already on like our second business in theory, in our idea. Um, beca- and I think that, sometimes has been some of the biggest surprise is we imagine for Amali to grow in a certain way but Allah plans for you in a different mm, way yeah. and I think we've been quite accepting an opening of the different the way Amali has meandered mm. um and yesterday we had a, a meeting about um something I feel I feel when I'm being so cryptic but that, <laughs> but, but that meeting made me realize like we cannot imagine what's in store for Amalia next and you can't as well imagine what is in your in in, in your life yeah because Allah will provide for you mm. from sources and in ways that you would have never imagined and mm. sometimes it is outside of our human capability to understand where our lives will be mm. but it is within our capacity to trust in our lord and to trust in the in the world and to have that consistent dialogue with Allah that wherever you lead me, it will be good. So you guys have talked about um, all of the mapping of Amalia and how amazing it's been and um, all of these opportunities that you've sought and have been brought to you, alhamdulillah. Um, yeah, I will. Um, can you just, I mean, we're, we're just over a year on from our first podcast episode, which I mentioned earlier as well, was like a snapshot of how to start a business and the kind of things that you went through. Mm-hmm. Um, you're four years on, going into your fifth year. Could you provide everyone with a tutorial pretty much on how to turn your ideas into a business um, and what that looks once you're maintaining it? Because mm-hmm. um, it looks very different from, you know, start up to running. So uh, it's really difficult because actually we haven't gone through a linear mm. process. And I think perhaps that in itself has a lot of wisdom in it. So sometimes we start a business and an idea and we're kind of married to what that idea is. I think early on we were we were very open. Um, we should just call this open podcast. Um, we started Amani, obviously, if you don't know, but early on we were actually um, a fashion platform and we curated modest fashion from the high street. It feels really funny to say that now. <laughs> um, because Selena was like, I used to, she used to build the site, she hard coded it. If you're a coding and expert or developer or whatever, you know what hard coding means? You know, it's not a 
easy thing. And I was the fashion um, person. And if you know me, man's not into fashion. Yeah. So that we were both in roles. We didn't know what we were doing. We were like the heaviest, clunkiest team you could ever imagine. Naf would look at my fashion editorial. She's like, no. And I would look at hers and like, can't you center that? And she'd be in a half in a graph because it takes 10 years to hard code something. Um, and yeah, so I think first of all, be open in terms of where your idea can go. And I think in one thing we start learn a lot from startup life is there, there were businesses around us. And I remember very early on, like there was a business that pivoted. And I was like, what's this pivot business, yeah? Everyone would talk about, oh, we're going to do a pivot. We're going to do a pivot. If you know what pivot is, it's true. Everyone would bang on about pivoting, right? APIs and pivots. And here, me and Nafisa were pivoting every day. Like, every day we were getting closer. What does it mean to pivot? Pivot Basically means to change. Move, yeah, change. to move. Move so, what's happening. Oh, yeah. like the entire idea. Change no, the idea to serve maybe a different market. Pivot the entire yeah. idea. So it might be actually they have a service that they thought would be really good for B2C. So for oh, customers. But you but actually they're going to be now serving businesses okay or they're like you know what we're not going to do a a, a mental health thing we're just going to focus on physical health mm. and then we just change the business and i think the funny thing is me and nafisa were building oh we were talking about business 1.0 but really we were talking about 2.0 so we were building this fashion business but we were talking about amali as it is now mm. a business that empowers muslim women a business that um is the voice of muslim women um, so I think it's really important to have an open mind of which direction your business is going, but be quite fixed in what your um, values are, because your values is what is going to guide you through the business. And for us, for example, like, you know, there's a lot around, for example, Islamic finance. We've had to turn down money because of the terms in terms of Islamic finance. Early on, I think we got a, gra- a grant of like £5,000. Um, we NAF won an award for, I can't remember what it was, but there was a clause associated there with interest, etc. blah, blah. We tried to get around it. The people on the other side weren't that um, flexible. So we had to decline the money. It's good that you still reference that four <coughs> years on because uh, you, you um, referenced that in the first episode as well. And it's oh. still something that sticks. And, and even now, because important. there are business deals that have come away and we've said no to them mm. because of ba- basically the ethos of the company of how they've um, portrayed Muslim women. They, you know, there's some makeup brands. We'd never step that way because that's just, it would go against our values. You know, on one hand, we can't say we're amplifying the voices of Muslim women, but then we're taking money that oppresses Muslim women. How does that, you know, I think once you're quick to lose your values, your business, your business will stop crumbling in all, in all honesty so i think know what your values are quite early on um and stick to them don't give up your principles um i think in terms of maintaining a business as well it's really easy once you start stepping into hype to say yes to everything but still have a critical eye to things the same way you would have a critical eye early on about the 10 pounds you would spend have that same kind of decorum when you're maintaining your business as well because i think our biggest strength in the last two years has been able to say no at the right points um you know we had a publishing house come to us um a couple of months ago about a book deal essentially um and me and Nafisa essentially said no in a nice way because I don't think I mean there's lots of different reasons but I don't think Amalia warrants a book right now 
maybe in a couple of years i'm sure people are like no you guys need to write a book <laughs> no i'm not just gonna say yes because we are flavor of the month or diversity kicks i want to write a book that is really excellent you know and really adds value to to people's lives basically. i think it's like we we know we could get out a book to get a book onto a bookshelf yeah and you know we but it would create... also put amalia behind yeah and we could it could like create hype and it could do well and blah 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 but we wouldn't it would, it's not the book that we want to write right yeah and um so yeah saying no is really important and i think we've answered this but discipline um i think sometimes people want to be doing the glamorous parts of your business and too quickly you can give away the reins to your your business basically and you don't even know what's happening so like if you know early on it was me and naf we still do we're answering the dms we're pushing out the social media and i think our biggest strength is we knew who we were talking to what they needed and you have a really great insight of your business i think sometimes we can be too quick to outsource things when you're building a business and it's good. And I think on the other side, in terms of maintaining a business, seek help when you need it. I've seen people try to maintain businesses by themselves and they start crumbling. And it's really important to have different minds in your business at the right time. Once your values are strong, once you know kind of where the business is, is heading, then it's fine to bring different heads in um, and not be scared of it. So. Yeah, and I think a really practical thing is if you're struggling with your business at the moment or even it might be a project or an idea is sit down, write a whole list of everything that you need to do. Literally sit down for a good half an hour and write an exhaustive list from the boring, the admin, the things that you may want to do, like something exciting and then start mapping it out. Literally, like we call it 30, 60, 90, but we map it by what do we need to do in the next 10 days? What do we need to do in the next... 30 days actually what do we need to do in six months what what can wait so yeah doing a really exhaustive list and then really breaking it down and starting to stick to that and it's fine like sometimes we've done this 30 60 90 and we haven't been able to achieve things not because we haven't tried but because actually some things have taken a little bit longer than we imagined you know i always give myself big um, targets like all right i'm gonna email 100 people today and then it's like the day's gone by. I've had to put out like a reactive world piece and someone something else has happened. So I've only sent 20 emails. It's not that I didn't try, but there were other things in the business that needed me. Yeah, so exhaustive list, saying no and sticking to your values. For me, I've got three key things. Um, num- again, some of them are to reinforce what Shilu said as well. Um, the first one is know that it takes time like know your business is not going to bang in a year it's not going to bang in a year and a half it's not going to bang in two years yeah it might it might you know but the reality is that it takes time you know and like if you don't have a deep deep belief in why you're doing what you're doing that time you're just not going to be bothered to take it yeah it's going to drag and you really really need to have it but you when you're starting your business personally i would say you need to be in the mindset that you're going to do this for at least the next five years if you want to see it unless it's well. some like product business and you're just going to sell it and then yeah like it, 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 dep- a you know, it, de- it depends it depends yeah. 
Um, but I think a lot of people do embark on a business thinking, you know, in 12 months, they're going to see something happen. And if they don't. Yeah. And then if they don't, there's something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And it's not the, always the case. It's just it, it takes time to like build a business. Mm-hmm. My second one is networking. Oh, my gosh. Like, again, 100 percent where we are today is down to people who have opened doors, people mm-hmm. who have given us their time, people who have given us goodwill, people who have helped us. And I just you just I think networking is really daunting to people as well but there is so much truth in it's not what you know it's who you know mm. and sometimes people say that statement in quite a begrudging way of like oh some people are just born with That's Sel- not true. yeah me and Selena did not have this like vast network I think people may still assume that that we you know we know everybody we're trying to know who everyone yeah yeah, yeah. And, and we're trying to and it's really simple things like sending emails like yeah. reaching out like going to events yeah and I, I think really really invest in um nurturing your network um, and then the third one is, so I didn't get to reference Stormzy's book earlier, but I'm reading Stormzy's, <coughs> the murky, hashtag murky um, book at the moment, which is all about um, the Stormzy murky rise up. And you hear from different members of their team. And one of the things Stormzy says and one of the things his team members reinforce is how early on they realize how important it is to just do the basics Mm. and the basics are things like turning up on time Mm. being able to follow up after a meeting respecting your business respecting your business you know saying yes when you mean yes saying no when you mean no like these have being polite being kind being you know having good manner Mm. um you know the other day someone came up to me it was at the it was at an event and she was like, um, I think what she's doing is amazing. And she was like, oh, we're doing a mental health event for Muslim men. I'm like, oh, that's really good. And she's like, oh, would you guys like to be involved? And I was like, I think the work you're doing is really important. But right now we've got so much work to do for Muslim women. Mm. It's a no for me. And I didn't feel bad saying yeah. it. Um, I could have beat around the bush and like, oh, I'll get back to you. I'll see, inshallah. I have a word with the team, which I've done in the past. When you know it's a no. It's a clear yeah. no, yeah. And she, she was like, actually, I really appreciate that. I understand why yeah. now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think in the part, again, it's that whole thing of like, you can't think those interactions mean you're not going to be liked because Mm. actually the worst situation it would have been for you to say, oh, I'll get back to you. Send me an email with details. And then someone messaged me on Facebook the other day and she was just like, "Um, I'm doing a project at the moment. I would really like to interview you. And I said, "Um, to be honest, I'm booked up for the year. I don't have time to do something like this at the moment. Yeah. And she's like, I really appreciate honesty. Like sometimes it's fine to say no. Yeah. And I, I think again, that's part of the basics of like, say yes when you mean yes and say no when you say no. And I know like some of this, like someone might be listening in a rut because like their business isn't where they want it to be. But honestly, like business is what I've personally learned in the last few years. It's not about these big, big moments. It's about these small things that you do. It's about these small incremental things that happen. And it's also about having a sense of fearlessness. Mm. I think me and Shilu have grown a sense of fearlessness in the last four years. Of All the like, time scared. Yeah. <laughs> but we're also like, what? what's the worst that can happen? What have you got to lose? You know? And I just think I'm like, we're quite audacious now in terms of who we reach out to and what we believe that we can achieve and what we be- who what brands we think we can work with. And, we're also like do you know what we've also somewhat earned it like we've been putting in the work and now we want to do x y and z and we want to work with you on that on our terms yeah, yeah. on our terms as well in terms of values <coughs> <there. Sorry. coughs> um and i'm gonna put a fourth one in don't believe the hype as i had a question about um 
expanding on what don't believe the hype means because we've had a few people write in and kind of query it and I know that it's just one of those things that um it I don't know if it often gets misunderstood but I can see how it can like would you be willing to unpack it for everybody yeah definitely I mean I think we touched upon it through the podcast but one aspect of it because there's many aspects that don't believe the hype is the aspect of self so do not let your ego lead the way and I think, you know, don't believe the hype also applies to yourself. And it's almost a mantra of like, you know, don't believe your own hype. Because mm. sometimes you will have yes men around you and you will have people, especially with social media, like people will gas you up, right? That people will be like, oh, should I um, release a book? Yeah, yeah, do it. But no one, none of your friends are buying that book because they expect <laughs> you to give it to them for free. So you're not making no money. But it's true. So I think it's really important to not... And we've spoken about it. I think I'm struggling to elaborate on areas in this podcast today is because I want you to listen to all the other podcasts where we've talked about the nafs. We've talked about ego. And just do not let the hype of yourself lead you in the decisions of your life. Mm. Otherwise, you'll be, lead, you'll be going down a path that is just about the self-fulfillment. Mm. And self-fulfillment is important but it's not what we're here for. Mm. Um, it's not the only reason that we're here for. So I think one part or aspect of don't believe the hype is have it, keeping yourself in check. For example, with PR, yeah. Like, I think people, but you know when you were saying some people might misunderstand don't believe the hype. It's not about saying we're not going to put out when we're being hyped. It's about saying you can put out hype, but don't let it hype you. Like that is the distinction. And then also for me, don't believe the hype came out of a place where I think we'd been recognized for something or we were like in Wired magazine or something, something, something. And I said, don't, <clears throat> I said, don't believe the hype. Not a big deal in Wired though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I said, don't believe the hype because what I meant is recognition or working with a brand or doing like a one-off thing or acquiring halal gems or all these many many achievements alhamdulillah that Amani has achieved in the last four years doesn't mean that we're now like we know everything and we're set and blah 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 and then the other part so that's don't believe the hype in terms of like literally don't believe the hype and part of don't believe the hype and where it came from as well is trying to make being able to achieve something more accessible and what I mean is so like, for example, people often see the end product of what we achieve. They see the end product of Street Eats, of our event with Waterstones, of our content, of our website, of our social media, of our podcasts. And it's knowing that it part of part of it is being able to make that process accessible. So, for example, we did an event with Waterstones. Waterstones is a big brand. Waterstones, working with Waterstones is very cool. We got recognition. We got, we were on the Waterstones website and blah, 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 right? Actually, that started from Selena a whole year ago, messaging, emailing, not messaging. It's like a e cold email. I think email. I might have reached out to them on Twitter. Yeah, maybe and Twitter email. or email about, hey, we'd love to have a chat, right? Yeah. And then we've been talking to them. They've been like talking to us and then we've been trying to find a way. And it hasn't been working. Yeah, and we've we've been like trying to find a way of like. And that's not Waterstones, that was me. I'm terrible with dates. Yeah, it just, we've been trying to find like how do we make something happen here? And then for them, it was like actually they run an incredible autumn winter uh, event series, but how do they do something that will engage our audience, right? And they get to see a different audience in store. And 
don't believe the hype is about look that started with the very mundane mm. of just being able to reach out mm. that starts with the very mundane of coming up with an idea like meeting people like doing the work mm. and yeah i just think don't believe the hype is don't think that anything we do is because we're extra special have, you, have you ever seen that millionaire mindset meme of like mm. the woman in like you'll see these like ballet shoes and they're like pristine. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you'll and then see, you see her broke up toes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then I, I like as like millionaire mindset as it is, I always think as well like the world yeah, and, that but, meme but, is kind of, that whenever I hear "Don't believe the hype," I always you think see of that. that. Yeah, because it's great. It's, 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 you know it's what a, I mean? It can be a really like hard, ugly mm. kind of like road to something really beautiful. Yeah, and I, I think sometimes, especially with social media, like I. I don't think we can say this enough because it is so easily to subtly and subconsciously believe the hype of like that everyone is doing well, everyone is working out all the time, everyone is eating healthy flat lays, everyone is, you know, traveling and living their best life, everyone is achieving so much. Like it's so easily to subconsciously take that in and then take that in to a detriment of where you're like, oh, everyone seems to ha have it all but going I mean, on. But I mean, it's that saying, and I, like I said, this often um don't compare your offline life with your online with your online with other people's online. with other people's online life right that's just there's such a disparity that it makes no sense i would say that if you're looking for inspiration you're looking to be motivated look at the people around you mm -hmm. because it becomes more attainable like for example if sarah's bringing in lunch every day and she's got a meal prep i'll see that online right but it's more acceptable for me to understand actually how are you doing it and she might say, oh, actually, me and my sister, we do it together. Mm. And you know what? Someone, uh, my, my brother-in-law helps me buy the groceries or whatever it is. You get a real snapshot understanding of how that actually manifests in that person's life. When it's online, you have all these crazy assumptions. Um, and then obviously I said, follow. Actually, on that note, can you follow my sister, Nafisa? Because <laughs> <laughs> she's a real person in my life that I can actually say, oh, Naf, how are you? You know, whatever it is. <laughs> We're rounding off. Let's get onto something a little bit more lighthearted um, oh. and a little bit more about the Amali community and the kind of content that we're publishing. Love Amali community. Um, how does the I Amali? I swear, you guys heard my duas when I went to Umrah. The Amali community. Well, how does the Amali community make you feel? Honestly, uh, the word I think of is that's never romantic. You know. I, I, yes, I am. Guys. Um, the word I think of is emotional because honestly, like, it's so emotional the fact that all these people from all different parts of the world, from Australia to South Africa to Malaysia to every, like, literally all around the world and here in the UK, just they just have a, again a really deep shared belief and love for Amalia and that it needs to exist and genuinely when I think of the Amali community I think of the Hadith love for your brother what you love for yourself because I just think there is such a sisterhood there is such a like it, it's just amazing as a community honestly and again we would absolutely not be where we are now without the Amalia community mm. Mm. Um, I definitely feel like a sense of sisterhood and I think through the Amali community, one narrative that really 
annoys me is like you know when they say that women are the b word yeah. and women can't get along with other women and all of this rubbish oh my god i what? really dislike that narrative because i think Crap. as well being in the amalia community i see how beautiful everyone is to each other mm. um you know how can you not love a community that speak so beautifully um <clears throat> Amani has had this, so this is somebody we asked for um, some of the community about how Amani has impacted you and this was one of the re responses Amani has a huge impact on me so great that it's difficult to pin down in a few words I'll do my best Amani has given me a great sense of some sisterhood that I used to have when I first embraced Islam in its fullest sense the sense of community commenting, commenting on the Friday Twitter roundup or sharing articles that really hit me or one of my friends the Sunday Circle post the podcast the podcast subhanallah listening to the podcast is like being in a room with sisters and friends laughing alongside you you guys are reflecting on something in new light and the way that you're open for submissions encouraging us all to share our views our words and our experiences amali is a vibrant tapestry of the interwoven experience of women who submit to their creator it's nothing short of beautiful and i pray it stands as a source of good work for the entire team and all those involved in it on a day of recompense i'm welling up right now and i have a huge smile on my face as a fleeting thought came to me just now imagine all of us reminiscing about the dunya from a beautiful place, Jannah. Do you remember, Amalia, how we used to connect with the sisters to reflect on our experiences, to do good in this life? Um, oh, wow. that's made me too. One of our beautiful writers, Aziza. Oh, um, Aziza. Online, she's at fine.words.weave. At fine words they were. And actually, Aziz, that she's written some beautiful pieces, pieces in Amalia. Um, we don't always take poetry submissions, but I did take this poetry submission from her. And it's Lofty Dreams. And there's another one, How I Empowered Myself After Being Sectioned. So may Allah grant her ease. You know, it's really brave. I think that's one thing I've learned about myself, um, my team, and the Muslim women in our community is that we are brave. You know, subhanAllah. Some of the stories that I get in my inbox, not everything always makes it to amalia.com um, uh, because sometimes we're working on it, people haven't got time to come back, etc. But I feel that we are such a brave community, mashallah. And mm. everyone is going through hardships that are relative to them and everyone's growing so beautifully as well. You know, even if you're going through a moment of stagnation, know that sometimes a flower sits still and it doesn't bloom. It takes a while for it to... To, I guess um, bloom and wait for its spring um, so yeah I just think our community is really beautiful Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Um, you've brought up Aziz's article here yeah. uh, have there been any more favourites of yours that you want to share with the Amali community self-care is the act of ibadah by nature. beautiful beautiful we always get so much interaction on Instagram yeah. whenever I oh put that God, up oh my God I was going to say that one you know why? Because self-care has been a conversation that the mainstream have been talking about so much. But I think this was the first article for me that framed it in a sense of Ardeen. Um, I mean, I don't want to say a favourite. As my dad says, when I ask him, Dad, who's your favourite daughter? He'll say, if I cut any finger off, then hmm. one of them will, all of them is important. So... You know, every single person, obviously, that has com contributed at that moment in time, you have shaped Somalia and you've also imparted some barakah in somebody's life. And I think that, you know, no one can ever take that away from you. And I think sometimes you underestimate the power of your words. Like, 
it might just be a healthy recipe that you've put out there, but mm. it means that someone's going to eat something that is going to nourish their body in a good mm. way. It might be that you've shared, you know, the hardships of, of motherhood and you've made a mother just feel a little bit better about her non-Instagrammable life. Um, so, yeah, I've, I really, at that time when I press publish or we press publish an article, I entirely value that article at that moment. All right. What have you guys learned about each other? After you naff. <sighs> you know what? I'm going to give everybody a little, for your information, me and Nafisa had a turbulent relationship. That was mainly. Time you used this word. Have I? No, I haven't. Yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> I'm reading a lot this year. Obviously, you man them on Instagram have encouraged me to read more. I used to like reading, but I've just revisited reading more. Isn't it crazy how you just like love it when you're young? Yeah, mm. and, and then, then you stop. You just stop. I used to read everything, anything. Reader's Digest, Financial Times, <laughs> Economics, but like everything. I, could, I used to be a proper little like reader, and then I kind of stopped because yeah, I stopped. And then I'm back in. I loved Reader's Digest. Oh my God. If anyone's got Reader's Digest, please, 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 can you send me them? And I'll give them back, I promise. But I just, I need to read them. <laughs> you know, one day we'll do a little zine for Amalia. But me and Nafisa had a turbulent relationship a couple of years before we started Amalia. Obviously, because of me, I was being my reckless self. Um, and I wasn't speaking to anyone, so no one wanted to speak to me. And she wasn't talking to me for, what was it, two years? We did not exchange words for two years. I don't think I even saw her. Did I see you? Maybe once or twice she gave me a side eye. <laughs> but we weren't living in the same house either. And we didn't talk at all. And now we see each other every, every day single of day of our lives. So I think that's more of a reminder that if you're in a relationship right now with um, someone who is a sibling or a parent or whatever it is, Inshallah, may Allah grant you ease and may that relationship be rectified. Amen. But yeah, look, Amen. we're building a business together. It's mad. I've learned that she look and make friends with a rock. <laughs> really can just talk, have a whole conversation. Oh, I didn't tell you about the flavors the other day. One of the many ladies that oh, she loves. Oh, my. No, this was the other day. Amazing. In an alleyway. Yeah. Ama- the Which, alleyway by the way, here. she said. She, yeah, and she was like, oh, I'll see you in the alleyway again on Friday. Yeah, but I couldn't make it. <laughs> but she's teaching some ex-offenders how to sew down the road. Come on. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, go on now. I mean, I've got a um, whole speech ready, and this one's just like, she can't make friends with a rock. <laughs> All right, then why don't you go first? Okay. What have I learned about Nafisa? I've learned that she's proper bossy. She's no, I've learned that Naf is really brave as well because she's had to really just go for it in like meetings. In um, yeah, Naf's really brave. Um, she loves public speak speaking, definitely. What I learned if you don't know about her TED talk, then please go and see it. She's rolling her eyes. Did you quite did a TED, TED talk, talk in the first episode? No, I don't think TEDx. It's a TEDx, she keeps saying, but it's really, it's just a TED talk. But she did a TED talk, go and watch it. And those values are still really important to us, actually. Um, so, yeah, Naf is really good at public speaking. I think I've learned that. I've also learned, is it learned or learned? Learned. I've learned. Don't know. And I learned. Learned. It's learned, isn't it? And I've also learned that she is a visionary. Um, through like building Amalia as well. Like she has very big, um, I wouldn't say hopes, I would say dreams. I think hopes and dreams are different. Why? 
Is, does hope, hope feel so, like I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it always materializes. I hope we'll be big. No, we will be big, inshallah, because I dream that. Um, so yeah, um, I think she has big um, dreams for Amalia and her life as well. Um, is something that I've learned about her. I've also learned that she is. What's the word? Ex, not exciting. Exceptional. Okay. <laughs> She's exceptional in all areas of her life. She likes to challenge herself. I've learned that she really likes to push herself, try new things. What was the things. word that you were looking for? Excel. Exciting. I don't know. Um, yeah, she really likes to push herself and try different things. Um, and it's been a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have a co-founder like this because obviously I'm inspired every day to push myself further as well. Um, and she's a really good researcher. Oh, thanks. Yeah, she's a re- she, see, she... Re- oh, obviously I couldn't go forward without mentioning her amazing design skills. <laughs> <laughs> so I've learned that um, Anaf loves design <laughs> She's a no nonsense no. No nonsense. So if you come to her with advice about F boy, she will tell you that a man's an F boy and you need to duck out, basically. Yeah. So she, if you want a no, or even if you don't want a no and you you just need some real advice, like we've had a couple of people in the community come to us, and we just tell them really how it is. Thank you for that. Um, I've learned that Shilu is basically a superwoman oh yeah stop it and i say that because doing amali is difficult doing amali as a mother who also Mm. gives so much to her delightful children and the community of mothers around her is like terrifying for me basically um having witnessed it and i think you know the mothers I think she for, for me always is repping mothers and I think one of the things is like even if you interact with Shilu for like 30 seconds she is trying to find a way to fill your cup and trying to make sure that, <laughs> you, that you walk away feeling like even if it was 30 seconds even if it was just like an interaction with a cashier at a shop like how do I fill that person's cup and I think she that suits that that suits Sheila's personality like she's just one of those people that you will notice her because she's out here to fill everyone's cup um I mean I am wearing clashing prints today (laughs) it's very Trini London um, I was inspired by Trini. I love <laughs> Trini is in Trini and Susanna. Yeah, I had to watch that as a child. You know, we met had her. To. I love her. Yeah, my mum loves her. About Amalia. Trini knows about Amalia. Trini knows I love about Trini. Amalia. I love her so much. She is. Um, she's a she cool was, cat. She's large. She she's is. a cool cat, man. Um, and I large also life, I mean. learn. Yeah, she's she very slim. I've also learned, um, and I think this goes. Okay, I won't make it about everyone. Um, I've also learned how <sighs> resilient Shilpi is because you know she alluded loves to out my Bengali name. She she alluded to earlier of having a tumultuous 
personal life, um, which us now people are going to think it's best candidates, <laughs> which us in our in in the team will know, and those that are close to us will know. Um, and I I think when people meet Selena, they just and this is normally the case with people who have tumultual tumultuous lives, like they're really really ready to give to others and fill other people's cup regardless of how tumultuous their lives are um and i really admire that sense of (laughs) that sense of resilience um and that ability to want to give regardless of what is happening in your personal life um and i've also learned it's a lot there (laughs) um i think this is why we pair really well because i'm about research and you know what you're saying i'm not all of that but shilo is very creative mm. and i don't i actually don't think make people, a headline out of anything yeah i don't think i don't think everyone gets shilo mm. because i think she just exists on like this different plane of the world <laughs> <laughs> like not everyone understands shilo and not <laughs> not everyone understands how boundaryless Shilo's mind is and I I think that's what I've learned that Shilo's mind the reason why she's creative is because there are no boundaries in there um and that's what I've learned like some of the stuff you'll know Sarah that Shilo puts forward and then I my task is to decode it and turn it into something either commercial or something that is a idea that we go with um yeah, I think that's very underrated and something I learned from Shilu. Oh, alhamdulillah. Oh, alhamdulillah. come on, give me a hand. Oh, no. We've been building a money for like, <laughs> touch my boob. Hello. Oh, sorry. Hi. Hello, you're you right. Nearly done. Nearly done. Nearly done. Two seconds. Busy, we're nearly done. No, we're done. We're done. Oh, we can't get him. Go get Can someone help me out? Oh, I don't even know what to say. What shall I say? I'm under pressure. I'm to say thanks. That was lovely. Uh, that was lovely. Um, <laughs> the thing is, we have to get out of our office space right now. We've just had our cue, so we have to run off now. Um, but thank you to every single one of you who's listened. If you didn't listen to our first ever episode, please go back to the, the beginning of the podcast, scroll right the way down to our SoundCloud or streaming service, whichever one you're on. Give it a listen. And um, we look forward to seeing you in the new year, inshallah, with some oh exciting gosh. new projects. Inshallah, everyone has a amazing end to the new year. And if you don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> Just keep going. Salam, uh, lots of love from everyone. Salam. Take care. Salam alaikum.
by Mario Sard. Please listen to the end from our beloved Amalia community. Like, share, subscribe. Like, share, subscribe. Happy New Year! Um, someone said, I'm a Muslim... I'm a Muslim from France and you have no idea how liberating it has been listening to Muslim women speaking freely about things mm. I'm genuinely concerned and interested about. Mm. Every time I try and listen to French content, thinking I should support my community, it's just exhausting to hear us focusing on answering polemics about the hijab and whatever Islamist threat and how we should try to spread peace as as if we are the problem. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to thank you for the platform, giving access to diverse standpoints on so many different issues mm -hmm. with a complex approach to things, quality content, even when that meant we had to wait over a month for a new podcast because it was worth it. <laughs> All right, sis, we tried. I don't and thank you for your challenging but encouraging words. I'm currently studying in Egypt, which is hard. And so listening to you feels like honey on my heart and sparkles in my brain. Oh, so cute. Honey on my heart. I'm using that to finesse people. <laughs> but inshallah, when I'll be able to, I really want to apply your advices to work for my community. This just feels like love letters to Amalia. So I first came across Amalia in early 2018 and the article I read was one about how the turban is far becoming the only socially acceptable way of observing the hijab. That article really resonated with me and when I went through Amalia's website I discovered that it's basically a safe space where Muslim women can discuss different topics with their own unique nuances. Then my bookstagram account was featured on the website and it further confirmed my impression that Amalia was, was filling a unique void for Muslim women worldwide. We don't have to have similar views to be able to express them on the website. We just have to be Muslim women looking through our unique lens. I later went on to write my first article for Amalia in early 2019 and I remember feeling very happy that there was a place where I could share something that, like that without having to conform my Muslimness or minimise my emotions. All of these and more is how Amalia has impacted me. I can't wait to find my way to London so I can attend all the physical events Amalia organises and maybe even feature in a podcast episode. That was from Aisha um, at that other Nigerian girl who oh. we all really Yeah done a good couple bookstagrams for us i love it it's amazing it's amazing yeah. yeah um i've got another one it's dina it's dina laraki oh, um, i love okay. dina <laughs> wa alaikum assalam the moment i was truly impacted by the malia team was when i listened to the first podcast on struggles they faced before getting to where they were the words were so raw and so real. I remember one of them getting emotional. That's me. <laughs> because the struggle is truly real. But it was also from sheer gratitude to the Most High for showing them the way and opening such a big pl platform to Muslim women. It really resonated. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to get emotional. It really resonated with me because it was at a time where I quit my job and I was in a bit of limbo. So it's easy to lose sight of who you are and how far you've come when you don't have to keep anything... Um, anything keeping you busy and fueling your passion. Allah works in such mysterious ways because I contacted you, Selena, to convey my emotions and I appreciate appreciation for that podcast and how much it helped me. 
And there and then you suggested that idea of me doing a takeover. It was the beginning of a beautiful thing that was born in me because all these people were viewing the takeover and sending messages and I suddenly remembered my light and how silly it was that I ever let it dim. For that reason and for so many other reasons, I will forever be inspired by Amani. Alhamdulillah. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.